I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to So I Got to Thinking, the weekly podcast where we take the timeless questions of Carrie Bradshaw and apply them to modern life and love. You're listening to Manhattan Hoosie What's It, Juno Dawson and Peekaball, Dylan B. Jones. Hi, Dylan. Hi, Juno. And for listeners who didn't get that deep reference, those are the toys that Charlotte buys for Miranda's baby shower. Indeed, because this week we are listening to, or rather we've been watching, um, <laughs> season four, episode 17, A Vogue Idea. And we're quite, we're flustered and blustered this week because... We've been blown. We have been blown. been blown. Much like uh, Samantha's various exploits we've been blown mm-hmm. um we've got storm eunice to contend with juno is trapped in a hotel room in clapham um mm-hmm. we're also confused because for listeners so listeners will have had last week's had the return to sex in the city last week we recorded that mm-hmm. before and just like that so for us it's our first return back to the originals to the og since i just like that but you've already heard one and there's a storm and yeah, we don't know what's going on. <laughs> I know that watching this episode, it made me. It's very odd how Sex and the City and and just like that feel like different shows. Oh God, yeah, I thought the same. Like that that was really clear. Like it was very hard for me to connect pregnant Miranda mm. with with Che Diaz Miranda. Yeah, not the same um, character. Richter, not played the same, not written the same, none of it, just not the same. Although people change in 20 years, I guess, is what I guess is what everybody would say, which is, of course, Miranda has changed. Yeah. It's been 20 years. Um, but it is, it is strange to roll back the years and see, see where Brady began before he was, before he was having loads of sex with his slightly obnoxious girlfriend, the inception literally of, of Brady Brady. I still think he's called Brady Brady. Brady Brady. Um, um, yeah, so let's, let's go back in time. Let's go back in time. It's business as usual again. Yeah. Oh, how, re- how reassuring. We don't have to, we don't have to talk about gender politics or non-binary <sighs> children or Black Lives Matter. We can just talk about, we can just talk about Me Too. We, because yeah, this actually. week, because this week, Carrie gets a Me Too moment. But um, Dylan, do you want to do a potted synopsis? Yes. So um, really great. Episode. I don't know if it was mm. just coming back to it from and just like that or what, but I was here for this episode. Um, 
So Miranda uh, is very pregnant at this point. Um, and let's very sweet. Let's Charlotte organize a baby shower for her because Charlotte says it'll be good for me, which is really nice. And there's lots of like funny, uh, touching, um, awkward exchanges between Charlotte and Miranda this week. Mm-hmm. Um, Samantha and Richard. Samantha is celebrating <laughs> Richard's birthday. So Richard, quick reminder, is the hotelier who Samantha is dating um, mm-hmm. and is falling for. Um, and wants to be monogamous with, which is very unusual for Samantha. But despite this, she decides to organise a threesome for his birthday. Because it's Samantha. <laughs> with a 21-year-old. With a 21-year-old. And can I just say, what a tonic to see Kim Cattrall back on our screens again. Um, yeah. And Carrie... <laughs> cookies drunk. <laughs> drunk at Vogue. Drunk, drunk at Vogue. Vogue. Yeah, drunk Carrie, Vogue. Carrie, in a quite an iconic, like part of her journey um mm-hmm. starts her first forays into writing for vogue um and we meet candace bergen as enid storm Edith, mm-hmm. storm enid and mm-hmm. um what is his name ron rifkin as julian as well of alias yeah, yeah. no not alias mm-hmm. was he alias oh yes all the Nikita. he was i think he was the uh the boss yeah an alias yeah i think that's right yeah yeah um, oh, he's been in all sorts as well. He's one of those kind of real sort of mainstays of any sort of TV show. I like him. Um, Maybe not this this character, I like him. but I like him. No, no. <laughs> and let's let's start with with Carrie as ever. Um, she's had a breakup, so she's got her breakup haircut, which is very true to life. You know, when a woman is going through emotional turmoil, when she gets an unexpected haircut. Mm. She does it again in the uh, first movie. She dyes it dark brown. Her head goes entirely. She gets a nasty wig in, in the first film. She gets an unconvincing wig in Sex and Do we think this... Yeah, she knows she had her haircut. Oh, she did. She did. What mm. do we think? What yeah. do you think of the haircut? Oh, I love it. And I remember at the time being shocked because I didn't know it was about to happen as well. And and obviously we, we've gotten to know Carrie and Sarah Jessica Parker, a large of having the big curly yeah. blonde hair. And she's always... As Carrie Bradshaw, although actually, if you roll it right, right back to the pilot episode where she did have Brown. much shorter hair, but other than that, she's always had kind of it's always been beyond beyond shoulder length. Yeah, it's really really cute. Um, I love again, it's Carrie Bradshaw, so of course she's cosplaying. Yeah, I love her power dressing at Vogue. Um, <laughs> I'm a size two and I skip breakfast, which should be perfect for Vogue. <laughs> that was a great line. I really appreciate that line. The brooch. What do we think? I love of the it. Brooch? The cameo yeah. is gorgeous. I like the yeah, brooch. I think it's stunning. And it's funny outside of outside of these this episode because she wears she basically wears a twist on the same outfit twice. Yes. When she goes in when she goes into Condé Nast, um, she wears one sort of pinstripe skirt suit and then one sort of lead grey. That skirt was be- suit. gorgeous. That one. Mm. Yeah. And I I, I love it. Possibly Vivian Westwood, I would need to check that. Mm. But um, really chic. And, and I do love that, Carrie. She always dresses for occasionally. Like, yeah. In podcast terms, last week, of course, she went to visit Big while dressed as a 1950s secretary. This week, she's she's dressing as like an 80s power broker yes. from Fatal Attraction to meet to meet with Enid. And I adored all job? of it, like all of the stuff at Vogue. I loved it. Um, mm-hmm. I love, you know, I love when Sarah Jessica Parker slops a martini around and falls. <laughs> I spilled. <laughs> I spilled at Vogue, Vogue and and falls into like falling into the rack of coats, like just unhinged behavior, <laughs> like. <laughs> 
Um, and it was very, uh, I imagine the writers, makers of The Devil Wears Prada took notes mm. from this episode because there were very close resemblances. Like um, Enid was very similar to Miranda Priestly. Miranda Priestly, yeah. Julian was very similar to Stanley Tucci. And Carrie, in some mm. ways, was very similar to um, to Anne Hathaway as well. Andy. Andy, that's I, I think people. obviously you can you can see that the brand of Vogue has has been involved, but it's so interesting because I tell you what, this wouldn't happen now. Yeah. The notion that there would be a sexual predator within Vogue would not have oh, gone God. Like You would have had to create, yeah. you would have had to create a fictional magazine, which is even when you, when you look at the Devil Wears Prada, it's clearly a stand-in for Vogue because we know the the semi-autobiographical novel the film is based on was based on one of Anna Winter's assistants, allegedly. Um, and The Devil Wears Prada does a very good job of kind of poking fun at, like, Vogue in the fashion industry a little bit, but also mm-hmm. very much respecting it. Um, yeah, and, that I mean, maybe it's a different podcast, but I really, really like the scene where Miranda Priestley schools Andy yes, about... iconic. You know, you... you Oh, this is this is irrelevant to you. Yeah. You know, this is frivolous to you. And then, of course, you know, the fashion industry is one of the biggest employers in the world. Um, so um, yeah, it was. I mean, it was it was great to see Vogue collaborating because it grounds it in reality, and and it it feels like, and it has always felt like these four women live in the real world. Yes. Um, and and having it at a real magazine that we all know really well and having the please tell me that wasn't Anna Winter moment yeah. was lovely. You know, it feels really real and it feels right. It feels like Carrie is the kind of writer who would be asked to contribute to Vogue. Now, now here we go. I've never been asked to write for Vogue and it really hurts because <laughs> I've written for everyone else. All I can think is that early in my career, um, in like 2015, Obviously, my good, good pal, Joe Elvin, reached out to me and asked me to write my column at Glamour. Uh-huh. And I wonder if there was some, like, condiness, you cannot cross the streams politics, because uh, Glamour is also a condiness title. And I, want, I wonder if I was team Glamour. So I was never asked to write for Vogue, whereas... Paris Lees, Sean mm. Faye, every other fucking trans woman in the country <laughs> has written for Vogue, except me. It's just me, writer, best-selling writer, Juno Dawson, and I have not been asked to write I can for see you're not, um I can see you're not bothered by it at all. I'm traumatised. <laughs> I have to have special therapy. Um, but um, you know what? You're probably right, because magazine. it's so fucking stupid, but like the magazine industry really is like that. Like... I wrote a couple of pieces for Attitude and was basically blacklisted by Gay Times because all oh, his written Correct. for Attitude. That is, like, who fucking cares? That care- is something that happens. Who cares? <laughs> who cares? Grow up. <laughs> I can say that. <laughs> I can say that now. Now Dylan will write for neither. <laughs> now that um, I'm not in journalism anymore, I can say that. <laughs> um, but no, I think actually, I mean, there is the line, you can see the line that had clearly been okayed by Condé Nast, which was that I got to write for one of the most, what was it? provocative and mm. relevant publications of our time. Yeah. And what's interesting, it would be really easy to laugh at that and be like, sure, Jan, it's, you know, it's, it's not Time magazine, but um, we have the editor of Time magazine, <laughs> if you remember, yes. we had Siren on the pod. Um, but um, to Carrie, let's not forget, Carrie used to skip food to buy Vogue mm. during the height of her anorexia, mm. apparently. Um, <laughs> but also, what, might have looked like a slightly glib brown nursing line 
look at what Edward fucking Enninfall has done to British Vogue. Yeah. You know, it is provocative and relevant. I don't see many other publications in this dreary little island that we live on celebrating black women, celebrating women of colour, celebrating trans women the way that Vogue is doing at the moment. And I tell you what, I would, I would trust what Vogue was telling me at the moment ahead of what the Guardian is telling me <laughs> at the moment. Well, so, yeah. So um And this is when this is so, yeah. this is when I think like it's they're often uh like collaborations and product placements and stuff often really uh diminishes a show. But this is when it really works, when it makes total mm-hmm. sense for the character and is completely convincing and um something good comes out of it. Um I think it's really important for I think I don't mind things like this. As long yeah. as they make sense. Um, and it's it's interesting, I mean, the, the idea that you, you're allowed Vogue, USA, has allowed there to be the Enid character, which again doesn't portray Vogue in the best possible light. The fact there is a very hard-faced editor. Um, yeah. And I respect that. I, res- I respect that Vogue wasn't too precious. Although I wonder if... I wonder if the reason that going forward shows like Ugly Betty and The Devil Wears Prada are absolutely not allowed to mention Vogue. It's potentially because of the fact Sex and the City suggested there were active sexual predators working at Vogue who get no comeuppance. So let, let's deal with that right at the back. Let's, yes. Where's my shady is? Woke alert. Boop. <laughs> Woke alert. Because actually this, this one is really, really interesting as a museum piece. It should maybe be studied in like media studies degree course. The way it's the way it's portrayed oh, is the music. Yes. So to put it into context, so if you've not watched the episode in a while, Carrie has got a piece of Vogue. She's supposed to be writing about accessories, but she's done kind of what a lot of writers do is, which is she's replicated her usual column um, for Vogue. And Vogue does have a very specific position, which is it's about clothes. I loved and, it when um, um, I loved it when Enid said, this is just your newspaper column with the word style jammed in where the word sex used to be. Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> I can't believe it. Yeah. But, um, but um, Carrie is then taken under the tutelage of um, the man whose name I've... Julian. Julian. She's taken under the tutelage of Julian, who... Okay, let's present the case. First of all, he gets her drunk. Yeah. Yes, and... Which is coercive and... And I kind of thought, um, like, he didn't... Like, he did eventually be like, okay, you need to go home. But he, like, sat and watched mm -hmm. her for, like, way too long, like, Mm -hmm. falling around, making a fool of herself. If you took out the jaunty little soundtrack, we're watching a horror film, which is this is about a man in a position of power. So he's her employer. He he holds her career in his hands. He gets her drunk. Um, he takes her out for food again, where he persists in getting her drunk. He gaslights her yeah. in that he talks about her failure at relationships. He talks, he questions you know, has her father and her relationship with her father messed her up. Um, He gains Mm. her trust by telling her about his wife and his daughter. Um, And then he gets her late at night in an empty office. He takes her to a closed room where Carrie hasn't got a way out. And then he exposes himself to her, which is a crime. Mm. Um, And... 
so I really studied this scene more than I ever have before. So it's got this crazy clown music all the way across. It goes, when Carrie's like, stop, like Julian, pull your pants up. Like if you took that music out, what you have is a woman expressing that she's deeply, deeply uncomfortable with the situation. She says, stop, what are you doing? Pull your pants up, Julian, stop. Yeah. You know, then she tries to make a joke out of it. Um, she suffered. This is a sexual assault. I mean, we can't really describe it in any other way because mm. it's such the sexual attention is so unwanted. It's the fact that she, because I, I was kind of analysing it as well. And it's the fact that she asks mm. him like, what, three or four times um, mm. and is clearly uncomfortable. Yeah, I think like that's clearly that's clearly um, a line crossed, isn't it? For sure. Mm. Did we see who wrote this episode? No, but I'm curious. See, this episode was written by Alan Heinberg, who it's, it's not a name I recognise from the show. Um, I'm wondering if it's a gay man, <laughs> because I mean, it's really, really interesting that this writer hasn't clocked the position he's put Carrie in. Yeah. Oh, wow. He wrote Wonder Woman. <laughs> wow. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, oh my God, he's done all sorts, Dylan. He's done Gilmore Girls, R.C., Grey's Anatomy. He was exec producer on Grey's Anatomy, on Scandal. Mm. It could, could it be possible that, I mean, this might be giving him and the show too much credit. Could it be possible that this was them trying to very lightly reference the sort of thing, that this sort of thing happens all the time and people think it's a bit of a joke? Uh, is that really no, too I don't much think into it's it? that knowing mm. i don't I don't think it's that knowing because and for that reason, and maybe this shows how much we've changed as a society or maybe how much I've changed as a viewer, but I didn't clock it as being what so when I saw this, I would have been what nineteen. I didn't clock it as sexual assault, and I don't think I recognized how much danger Carrie was in in that episode um but the fact that Julian has no comeuppance, he yeah. he keeps his job so that the 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 um consequence is that Carrie from that day forward only works with Enid. Mm. But you know, does she does she tell Verg that Julian sexually harassed her? Or is is Julian free to sexually harass other people? Kind well of? this is the well, this is the thing, and this is how much things have changed. Like, mm. I would think probably she does tell them people, and people are like, Oh yeah, that's just Julian, you know, like just Julian, yeah. yeah what's he like? That's what. Boys that's what. Um, yeah, that's what happened. Like, even I, like a few years ago, had a comparable experience, and yeah, I didn't think anything of it um, because I was like, "That's just what happens." Um, men, you know, we're in media; these things happen. You know, it's all fun. Um, interesting, but um, I will say, Carrie handled it very well. I thought, apart from perhaps not visibly raising his behaviour with other people, um, but I thought she did. It's a, difficult she did because good... we, yeah, we we don't we don't really know what's happened there. I mean, maybe the the makers of this would argue that actually Julian was disciplined. Maybe Julian was fired. Yeah, we don't know. But it seems like yeah, it seems that he's been at Vogue for a very long time. And the sad, the sad fact is that somebody would have probably protected him. Somebody, mm. you know, that, the, you know, in narrative terms, you'd like to think he gets his comeuppance. But I think in real life, we all know that there are men like Julian in every organisation. Oh, yeah. 
and that by and large they do get away with it and that 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 is the global shift that me too has brought about which is we're just starting to see some men not get away with it like i don't see how obviously a lot of chat this week about prince andrew you know how how is that's it he's done joss whedon harvey weinstein i think i think these men are done I, i don't see them meaningfully working in the media again because women and men we are we are now we are demanding Mm. you know some sort of um reparations for for the these men's behavior and and that's why i think the writers didn't recognize what was going on Mm. because it paints everybody in a really, it paints Vogue in a bad light. I'm surprised that Vogue didn't pick up on this and be like, no, you you literally cannot suggest that our editors sexually harass women. Um, because it also, it also paints Vogue in quite a poor light. Yeah. Well, maybe, well, maybe, God, because I was wondering, like, maybe Vogue weren't aware of that, like, element of the story and how did this get through and stuff. But maybe it was literally, like, not even an issue maybe they saw it like approved it and were like oh yeah that's funny like at the time that's funny yeah it's funny it's hilarious and and then this this guy is wearing his versace (laughs) which speaks volumes (laughs) doesn't it about how much things have changed Mm. but it's good it's good Mm. it's great isn't it that things have changed so much yeah and i think it's so the bit that I don't take issue with is that i can fully believe it would happen Mm. and actually it's maybe you know, in that sort of weird thing of like the weird emissions that Sex in the City made, it's interesting that they don't talk about sexual assault. I mean, in in a way, I'm surprised and just like that didn't talk about sexual assault because and yeah. just like that felt more confident in tackling feminist issues. And that there is no group of four women who do not have stories to tell about sexual assault. I have my story about a man who basically groomed me in the mm. publishing industry. And I've thought a very long time about whether or not to talk openly about the man who, the man who was very inappropriate with me and um, he still works in the industry. Wow. But I just, I think, I just think now is not, now is not the time. And certainly the podcast is not the time to uh-huh. out him, but I do what a lot of women do, which is I contribute to the Whisper Network. So right. we all know, like right. everybody knows which men to avoid, you know, and that that's the way women have had to do it for years and years and years, isn't it? Um, I think his behaviour will catch up with him. Uh-huh. I do. I I think it will. Um, it's a difficult. It's a it's a really difficult one. And so yeah, of those four women, of Charlotte, Miranda, Samantha, and Carrie, of course, these women have dealt with predatory men and sexual assault mm. and men who do not respect their boundaries because that that is what it is to be a woman yeah so i don't take issue i don't take issue with the fact that this is something they've approached what i take issue with is that it's played for laughs yeah um, weird and that carries like oh i'll just i'll work with enid instead she doesn't try to rape me <laughs> mm. wow if only there was a middle ground you know, kind of, <laughs> um yeah. yeah. So Charlotte says, these are our choices. Um, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. your choices are you can either work with a bully or a sexual predator. Those are your choices, Carrie Bradshaw. Which which would you rather? <laughs> um so I mean so it's bleak, isn't it? I mean, that is that is bleak in a way, but I think it's funny, the show didn't know what it was doing, and I don't think it knew it was doing this. So it's kind of it's You're right, it's, it's a very interesting. I would, I'd love it. It's a very interesting historical piece. Um mm. A time It'd be interesting capsule. to talk to them now, 
like to talk to Sarah Jessica or Michael Patrick King now and be like, you know, when when you made this episode, did you realize that, you know, this was a Me Too moment? This is Carrie Bradshaw's Me Too moment where she's essentially groomed by a man and then sexually assaulted, you know. And and then he, he receives no consequences. Um, have you seen online that the reworked trailer for Mary Poppins, whereby if you change the music and the voiceover, you can make Mary Poppins look like a horror film? Oh and God. I think it's that, which is with a different framing, this episode could have been traumatic and really scary. Yeah. But instead, they've they've put the jazzy music on. Yeah, I imagine if we raised it with Michael Patrick King um, and or SJP, they'd probably go, oh God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, they'd suddenly realise, probably, having not thought mm. about it for 20 years. Um, yeah. Um, one, uh, on a slightly lighter note, um, mm-hmm. line that I enjoyed that was very Carrie was at the beginning when she said, um, I had a new mortgage and as a result, a new job, which is so Carrie <laughs> to, like, submit one article that got rejected and be like, I've got a new job at Vogue. <laughs> Um, very Carrie. She did say. Well, she did say she'd got Vogue up to. Was it like what was it? A pound a word. A dollar a word. Five, five dollars a word. Something ridiculous. But um, she's doing well for the nineties. But um, let's take a little break, and when we come back, we will discuss father figures Mm. and Samantha's three-way. We'll see you in a second. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello, welcome back. Today we are drunk, drunk at Vogue, as we discuss season four, episode 17 of Vogue Ideas, one of those classic episodes that everybody loves. Um, okay, we've dealt with the serious stuff. Let's just talk about the ridiculous stuff. Um, <laughs> shall we Shall we talk about father figures first? Yeah. Because actually this, this, I mean, this could be quite sad. So yeah. the theme of this episode, and I that's something I think we all slightly missed in on just like that, which is the lovely themes and this week we're looking at father figures. Mm. So we've got, we've got fucking Julian. We've dealt with him. We've got Miranda having to be both mother and father to Brady yeah. and indeed Charlotte. And then we've got 
the dark father figure of Richard Wright um, to contend with as well, Daddy. Um, so let's first of all attempt, shall we try to answer Carrie's question now or shall we try to answer Carrie's question at the end? Maybe we'll discuss and then we can answer it. Okay. So <laughs> Carrie's question this week is how much does a father figure figure? Yeah. Which I like this one because we've certainly never had this question before. You know, sometimes we, we kind of have to repeat ourselves. Yeah. Like, like, hang on, we, we've answered this question. We've talked about cheating and monogamy several times. How much does a father figure figure? I think it's a really interesting question for us to get into, actually. How much, Dylan, do you think a father figure figures? I don't know. And I thought it was really interesting in her voiceover when she said, some say a daughter's relationship with her father is the model for all her future relationships with men. I wrote mm. down, wow, in my notes, because I'm not sure. Is it is it complete bollocks or is it... Because obviously it applies to... <laughs> obviously it can apply to not just daughters, anyone who... Who dates mm -hmm. men? Um, it's very gendered yeah. question, very gendered question as well. Um, mm. Yeah, I think it's largely probably pop psychology nineties bullshit. Um, but I think for some people there might be a bit of truth in it. Um, I had well, all gay men have, and I imagine trans women have interesting relationships with their dads. Um, I had an amazing relationship with my dad up until, uh, and he was like amazing with the gay thing, like flawless. Um, up until I left home and went to uni and it's kind of fallen apart to be honest and what's weird oh. what's weird and I, like I don't know we we speak very occasionally like on my birthday he sends me an email um, but I don't really know like where he is or what he's doing um, and haven't for like a decade and I feel like I don't care about it but I'm wondering if I do deep down somewhere and it's like a subconscious thing that must be really affecting me um how odd yeah not, not too guffle therapist but where do you think it went awry if things were going so well until you were 18 but the, this is the great mystery i don't know i wonder if i wonder if sort of it was well obviously my leaving was the catalyst me not being in the house anymore which is really interesting um and rare like strange um yeah, I don't know. And I, I do wonder if it's affected my relationships with men. Um, I haven't got a specific, I haven't got like a stereotypical, like, quote unquote, daddy. T like, that's the textbook, isn't it? Like, you date older men mm. if you're, if you had, if you had daddy issues, which I think, yeah. again, it's one of those things where it probably does apply to some people. But like with anything, you can't say it like, all, I think all blanket rules are bullshit, because there are always exceptions. Of course. Always case by case stuff. Um... So yeah, so I think that a father figure doesn't figure necessarily. I think for some people it does. But... You see, I I disagree. So I think mm. I think what so it's funny because there isn't, with the exception of Randa's mum dying, there isn't a massive episode looking at motherhood. Yeah. Um, I'm sure we'll get to it. We will. We'll discuss obviously Miranda's about to become a mother and then stuff with Charlotte later in and just like that. But, um. I think your relationship with your parents is so definitive. And mm. for me, so my my relationship on a personal level with my dad got much, much better when I transitioned. Wow. Um, I think he found, I think he finally understood who I was, especially because I have a sister. So he, he much quicker than my mum, actually, just adjusted. He's like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Wow. 
I've mm. been trying to treat her like a son, but she's a daughter. <laughs> right. And because I'm quite stereotypically girly in lots of ways, it made lots of sense for him. And so actually we've become much, much closer. Mm. But the way that my father figure figured is in the fact that, you know, and it's difficult. I don't want to get into the nitty gritty of things in a podcast. Yeah. But, you know, my mum and dad's marriage broke down when I was seven. Yeah. And you know, that has really affected how I see relationships. And I grew up just kind of thinking that men, by and large, couldn't be trusted and that any woman would be a fool to rely on a man. And that's true to this day. I cannot let myself fully rely on on a man. Mm -hmm. And I'm literally married to one. But, (laughs) you know, I, I, I... you know, I, I work very hard. I make sure I'm independent. I'm financially independent. And I do, I keep a little bit of emotional independence. I sort of tell myself, you know, Max could leave tomorrow. So you need to be ready for that. Like, mm. I'm, it's almost like I've got like, I've got the bombshell to ready kind of, mm. you know, if Max was to just leave one day, which is what my dad did, then mm-hmm. I would be like, right, told you, sir. Knew that was going to happen. Men cannot mm. be trusted. At least you've got your dog. And and so I think my, you know, even though I have now, I have a really, really good relationship with my dad. And if you watched me on Transformation Street a few years back, my dad took part in that documentary and he was wonderful. And a lot of the feedback I got was how wonderful my dad was. And he is wonderful. But the way that his marriage broke down has left me really unable to regard marriage. And you will notice, Dylan, as you were there, when Max and I got married, we did not agree to forever and ever. Yes. Because I don't, <laughs> I've never seen that. I've never seen a marriage last forever. So I certainly wasn't going to make a promise I don't believe in. Yeah. And it's like we said, um, mm. I forget what episode it was, but we were talking about marriage. And we said like the forever thing is so like intense and weird. And why is it, why was it everything in the mm. first place? Um, yeah. But it's a, another interesting thing. Um, is this the first time we hear about Carrie's family? In like yes, sort of the meaningful... only time, the first and only time. Yeah, yeah, interesting. And we even see a photo of her with her dad. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the very yeah, the only glimpse we get into Carrie's kind of background, really. And this is why I could never fuck with the Carrie Diaries. You know, this the brief mm, yeah. spin off with with um Anna Sophia Rob, because yeah. it's about Carrie lives with her dad as a teenager, and I was like, nope. This is not canonical. Yeah. We know, we know from the main show that Carrie did not have a relationship with her dad. So, yeah, yeah either either you've got to keep the continuity, kids. Otherwise, it's a no go for me. So I didn't, I couldn't even watch that show because I was like, nope, this is not Carrie Bradshaw. This is a lie. Or we're <laughs> in the multiverse again, which which we cannot speak of. Um. So no. So I, I do think I think our relationships with our caregivers is is really. I think it changes us for life yeah. so i do think my my answer to carrie's question is i think a father figure really figures mm. um interesting but now let's my god this one's such a heavy podcast my god this is do you know what this is because i'm trapped in a hotel in a hurricane so this is <laughs> this is what you do when you're trapped in a hotel in a hurricane um i would love to talk about Alexa. <laughs> hey Alexa, play threesome. Um <laughs> I love it. I love Alexa. I'm ready yeah. for anything. And just I'm takes the <laughs> takes the halter neck off and yeah. just gets on with it. 
And then I loved, I loved Samantha. Like, Stan. I loved Samantha. Like, pissed off, competing with her. Like, like Juno and I are doing like motions on on Zoom. The listeners can't see, but like shoving her top down too. Um, I didn't think I would ever say this. Samantha was wrong. Samantha was wrong. (laughs) Samantha was wrong. To Samantha organized the reason for the wrong reasons. She organized it to try and keep Richard from cheating, which is definitely mm-hmm. the wrong reason to organise a threesome. Never do that. Don't try this at home. <laughs> um, and Charlotte clocked it. Charlotte was like, what did Charlotte say? Yeah, oh, oh yeah, it's like, you're just the idiot who had sex with him on a golf course. <laughs> yeah. uh, um, so it's, it's yeah, because you, you have to go into it for three. So basically, the re- Samantha should have done this three-way because she fancied Alexa. Yeah. And we know that Samantha is sometimes attracted to women. Yeah. Because it was this season, cast your mind back, that she was with Maria. So as if, it's not beyond the As if that was this season. <laughs> that was this season. I, I I regret to inform you that when we started season four, 14 years ago, whatever it was, that was this season. Um God, that does feel I feel I've aged. And just like that has aged me, Dylan. I was oh a younger God. woman me when too. Maria was on the scene. But I mean um a little firework. Um <laughs> Alexa is played by an actor called Rachel Nichols. Um gorgeous. she's been in all kinds of things. Yeah, she is gorgeous. She was she was the series lead in like a weird science fiction show called Continuum. Or okay. Continuum. I never know how to Continuum. say it. Continuum. Um Continuum. Continuum. Um, where she was Kira, so that was like a science fiction thing I watched years and years ago. But she's she's been in all sorts. She was in Titans. Um, yeah, she she's she's one of those again kind of faces from off of the television. Yeah. Um, that I recognise. But I've all every time I saw her in things afterwards, I was like, where do I know her? She's Alexa from the Three Way. Um, <laughs> and and I I really love her, but I just love. At the time, I I think. I don't think they realised they were writing like a sex positive icon. And yet, yeah, with very few lines, I'm just like, Alexa, get it. And yeah. she loves a daddy. She loves an older man. And she's not scared to role play her weird sex fantasy. But Alexa, um, despite being a sex positive icon, has quite a shit night because she gets like pushed on the floor and then off boot, the bed. kicked off the bed and then booted out of the hotel room or out of Richard's flat. Um, mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it ends surprisingly ends happily for Samantha and Richard like Richard said let says let's give it a go this episode ends Although, happily again anyway. don't don't get attached yeah <laughs> um we know we know what's coming down the pipeway yeah. but um yeah for, for one week only um I'm not sure like would you get Chris a three-way for his birthday <laughs> no. do you know what <laughs> I think three is a crowd when it comes to sex. Mm, it's too many places. I think I, I do not think three is the magic number. Mm. I think, and I've we've talked about threesomes before. Yeah, I've never had a I've never had a good one. Mm. Or did I? I had an okay one, mm-hmm. but more more bad than good. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, and unlike Samantha, at least I wanted to be there. <laughs> That's... Actually, as Samantha said before. And then contradicted her own rule. She said it's always best to be the guest star. Um, yeah. Correct. Yeah. So she did not take mm. her own advice. But yeah, that's what I think. I think it's there's mm. much less complications if you're the guest, the guest speaker. <laughs> and Richard does not want to be a daddy figure. So no. yeah, that's that was the end of Alexa. Back back to 
back to wait well back to being a maitre d although did you notice samantha quips that she has a bus boy coming at midnight yes i enjoyed i that. think we know who the bus boy is <laughs> oh my god it's seema's dad from my fan fiction <laughs> seema seema's with the bit he's got a babysitter for seema and he's coming over. Mm. Oh, actually, Seema would be their age. Seema would be like 30. Um, Seema's, Seema's <laughs> off with Claire Danes in Homeland. Seema's in America. Seema's fighting for the other I don't know. I don't know. I'm so confused. It's um, the extended game, the multiverse. The Sex in the City <laughs> Seema multiverse is blowing our minds. Um, meanwhile, Miranda and Charlotte are together this week. They are combined in one thread, which is something I really like. Miranda and Charlotte together. Yeah. I think they're a lovely combination. I always have done. Um, yeah, really nice. And it's yeah, it's it's moving, you know, as well. You know, when um <laughs> Charlotte goes mad, as as she often does when she because this is twice she's gone mad now. First when she was arranging Miranda's mum's funeral, and yeah. then now she's organized in fact after the funeral, it's amazing Miranda agreed to let Charlotte organise her a baby She's shower. always whenever it cuts to Charlotte, she's always like on her phone among like parcels and like she's always mm-hmm. like Waff, sort of like bustling around a shop, like desperately trying to get things sorted out. Pick a ball, pick a ball. Oh, what does she say? She says it has a white chocolate peanut butter baby inside, and you can eat. The baby. <laughs> you can eat the baby. <laughs> I love you can eat the baby, and that that's what's going to win Miranda. Around. And Miranda, Miranda just and Miranda just hangs up. <laughs> she is right to hang up. Um, did you notice? So you know how we when we started this podcast, we always said we would we would do a running tally of speaking people of color. Yes, the well, mum. It's interesting because we had okay, so here we have a lawyer, mm-hmm. a mum, she has a baby, she has a breast pump, yet she doesn't need to talk about refugees, Black Lives Matter. Isn't yeah. it interesting that Sex and the City 20 years ago could have professional black women, working black women in their friendship group? And I also did, I also did think, I was like, wait, so Miranda is clearly one of her colleagues is a black woman and she seems completely mm. comfortable working with this woman. She hasn't like said anything about her hair. She hasn't her like hair, fucked yeah. up in any way. So why like 20 years later does Miranda act like she's meeting a black person for the first time? I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and as, as well, it, it goes to show that kind of, you can you can say a lot without without having to literally make it text. Yeah. You know, the, the subtext there is that Miranda is inclusive and has a diverse friendship group. Um yeah. and I just I just wish I wish all of the above just hadn't tried so hard to do so many things with yeah. so few episodes. Um it's a shame, it's a bit of a shame. Um, yeah. but um, I did love. I loved Miranda's maternal instinct kicking in when Charlotte was upset. Yeah, that was really it was. Lovely. It was very moving when 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 Charlotte gets the Tiffany's rattle. Um, yeah, how rich are fucking Miranda's friends, by the way? How much do we think a Tiffany's rattle costs? Um, I mean, and also it, like, what a waste of money, <laughs> right? Because presumably you would put, you're not going to give that to an actual infant to get sticky, horrible little fingerprints on, are you? So yeah, it's um, just an ornament. So Miranda's rich friends, yeah, Miranda's rich friends give her a rattle, and and I loved Miranda. 
talking Charlotte round. That was really. I sweet. also really loved um, Miranda and Charlotte's tiff um, because, mm-hmm. and this is credit to the actors as well because you could somehow tell that like they were like yelling at each other, but you could tell that it was like good sort of good natured like they were sort of like mm-hmm. laughing just below the surface and they knew it wasn't like a serious thing and they were sort of like riffing off each other and like they were like on paper it was quite a serious fight but really you knew it was all going to be fine um yeah. which was sweet watch the sharp edges <laughs> <laughs> yeah also special mention to the conversation between carrie and miranda as well Get off my stoop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, the so lovely. In that, that I feel did translate to one just like that. I think the lovely chemistry between the three of them. Yeah. Did work. When when we saw them together, it was it was really, really lovely. Yeah, always. Um, um, even if, yeah, by even if age has made them a little harder, perhaps. But um, mm. but I I think a Vogue idea is, is one of the very best episodes they did. I, th- I think it's a really, really wonderful episode. And I think that the fact it doesn't quite know what it's saying with the sort of the sexual assault is it makes it interesting anyway. I, I yeah. think, you know, it's not, it's not like, it's not like the transphobia one or the biphobia one where I'm like, we need to cancel this episode immediately. It's kind of like, this is really, it's it, to me, it's fascinating that a sexual assault can be viewed so differently 20 years later. Mm. And, and it's very what clearly... the way they filmed that scene says about the time as well. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's just very clearly mm. like something that has evolved and changed rather than rather than a kind of conscious editorial decision. Like, oh, mm. let's let's make fun of this. I I don't think it was deliberate to like make fun of sexual assault at all. I think it was just yeah. Now, now twenty years on, we have an entire show about this concept. It's called The Morning Show. <laughs> and mm. it's Reese Witherspoon and Jeffrey Aniston and Steve Carell dealing with workplace sexual harassment. There is a whole TV show. Because, I mean, there was like two seasons worth of material that you could get out of that storyline, which is Carrie wanting her job at Vogue so she doesn't dare say anything, but she doesn't want to work with an abuser. Oh, my God. You know, are people going to accuse Carrie of maybe she shouldn't have worn her tight skirt? You know, there's a whole... You know, there is so much to unpick, but now they kind of just play it for laughs and, and yeah. she's literally never mentioned it ever again. Um, yeah. I wonder if, if I'm just like that, were to get a second series, it would be something like that that you would maybe expect them to tackle. Um, mm. look, looking at workplace sexual harassment, perhaps, because they, they, like I said, they did feel more ready to tackle sort of the big feminist issues. But not that one in season one anyway. Still no, still no decision on, on just like that season two. Yeah, I was looking it up this morning. Mm. I'm I'm uh, poised. <laughs> mm, um, yeah, we'll see. Interesting. Next week, it's the series finale of season four. It's I yes. Heart NY with lots and lots of drama. Yeah. So until next week, um, like and subscribe. Don't forget to follow us on social media at SIGTT Podcast. And hopefully I will be out of this hotel room and back in my house. <laughs> until then, farewell. Bye. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.